Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. This is week 29. This week is our fifth Bible study week dedicated to examining the Reformed doctrine of TULIP. We started with studying the sovereignty of God, which builds the entire foundation for this doctrine. From there, we began examining men's total depravity, God's unconditional election, and Christ's limited atonement. And now we arrive at irresistible grace. Irresistible grace often feels like one of the least talked about aspects of Reformed doctrine, but it is an important one that we must study. Just like all of the other elements of TULIP, it is all important to understand as it reveals much about God and what He's done for us. However, before diving into what precisely irresistible grace is, we must pray that the Lord gives us the heart and mind to understand. So let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this moment and this opportunity to hear your word proclaimed and to understand and grow closer to you, Father. You are a God who is steadfast in love and you will forgive us of our iniquities. No matter what we've done, no matter how egregious or horrible they are, you forgive each and every one of them, even when we don't deserve it. And frankly, we don't ever deserve it, Father. You have placed the stars in the heavens. You've placed the, the planets in the galaxy, and you've told the sea, come no further. And yet you look at us and, we, and say, come, and we say no, Father. Unless you have touched our hearts and changed us so that when you say, come, we say yes, whatever you say, Lord. Please give us those kind of hearts this day as we read your word. Forgive us of our sins. Let us be truly, truly sorry for what we've done, no matter what it is, Lord. Lord, I pray that through this study, we will come closer to you. We will desire the things of you, Lord. Let our hearts be irresistibly drawn to you, and that the things of old that we used to look forward to, that we thought would bring us happiness, Father, let us us just look at them with complete and utter disgust these days, Lord. But the only thing that we desire, the only thing that we think about is you and your word, Father. Just let us praise you and glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What exactly is irresistible grace, and how does it impact our lives? For that, I want to turn to Edwin Palmer's Five Points of Calvinism. We have turned to this work before for research, and I think it is an excellent tool for us to use. Palmer does something in his book that would be very helpful for us in this study. He breaks down what grace means and what irresistible means. That is what we will do in our research today before we get into the scriptural foundation for this doctrine. Palmer describes grace as similar to this. A college student causes a massive disruption by doing all sorts of terrible things to keep away a visiting professor. He is is doing whatever it takes And he actually succeeds in uh, preventing anyone from listening to this professor. Even more so, he punches people, uh, disabled people in the face so they can't get to class. And then he burns down the college library, cuts the water hoses so the firefighters can't put out the fires. 
And then he goes out and murders some visiting college students. As the police arrest him, he yells curse words at them and tells them of horrible things he wants to do to their families. He is convicted in court and sentenced to die. And while in prison, he continues to be violent to inmates and officers alike. But despite all of that, the state legislator grants him a complete pardon and even agrees to pay him a million dollars a year for life. That is grace, unmerited favor. Palmer goes on and writes, quote, In a similar fashion, every one of us has committed much more heinous crimes and these against God. And we deserve much greater punishment. God made mankind good, but we, will, we willfully and freely rebelled against him. He pleads with us to turn from sin and self to him, and we answer him by ridiculing him. It is our nature to hate God with full vengeance and to hate everyone else. Our one goal is to be the top man on the totem pole with God on the bottom. We, desire nothing, we deserve eternal hellfire. It is in such a hateful situation as that, while we are still sin, unrepentant sinners, God loves chosen ones, sends Jesus to die for them, and then sends his Holy Spirit to cause them to accept the sacrifice that Christ has made for them. To top it all off, he ordains that those spiritual fatherless sons will become his own children, and that they will inherit unsearchable riches. Now that it is, Now that is undeserved favor. That is grace. And it is open to whosoever will accept it. If anyone wants it, he may put his trust in Christ right now and take it. He may ask Christ, the God-man, to save him from his sins. End quote. And now, if that is the understanding of grace, we must go in. We need to understand what precisely irresistible means. Again, this is where we turn to Palmer to guide us through this study. He writes, quote, it is in this way that some conceive of irresistible grace. They picture God as forcing people to do what they do not want to do. He drags them struggling and kicking, as it were, into heaven against their wills. He forces, coerces, and does violence to man's will. But this is not the meaning of the word irresistible in irresistible grace. And if it causes misunderstanding, then another word may be chosen. For example, a F excuse me, efficacious or effectual or unconquerable or certain. All that irresistible grace means is that God sends his Holy Spirit to work in the lives of people so that they will definitely and certainly be changed from evil to good people. It means that the Holy Spirit will certainly, without any ands, ifs, or buts, cause everyone whom God has chosen from eternity and for whom Christ died to believe in Jesus. But God always does this in a way that man likes. As we said before, man is always free. He does exactly what he wants to do. This does not mean that he has free will, that is, the ability to choose the good and the bad equally. He does not have that kind of freedom. For he hates God, loves sin, and freely, willingly sins without any external compulsion. He is never able to choose the good, God in Christ, because he is in slavery to the devil and his own sinful desires. He has no real freedom. By nature, man is like a person who loves to eat rotten, moldy, wormy apples out of the garbage can, who likes to sit in the dirt and eat ashes. It is possible for God to change such a person's makeup so that he will love filet mignon and artichokes instead of ashes, so that he will crave a bowl of fresh fruit instead of a moldy apple. 
In a similar way, God changes the heart of man from evil to good. By nature, man loves sin and everything that is going to bring him unhappiness and eternal punishment. By irresistible grace, God does not leave the heart unchanged and thus drag man into heaven against his will. No, God regenerates man, changes his nature, and radically alters his character so that man now is truly sorry for his sin and loves God. Now with his heart changed, he abhors the things he used to do. Now Christ is the fairest among ten thousand. Christianity now becomes exciting. He freely, eagerly seeks God. End quote. All right. Now I know that was a lot. That was a lot to dump on you guys as we are trying to study this, but I hope this can help someone. If you took nothing away from any of that, then you need to know this. Irresistible grace is that God's chosen, repentant, faithful people will be irresistibly drawn to him and his ways. God's chosen people can't help but be drawn to and trust him, loving him while hating Satan and their sins. But as I have said every week that we have been studying TULIP, none of this matters if we do not have any scripture to back it up. So now let us go into the scriptures to see how they support the doctrine of irresistible grace. As usual, we will rely on the English Standard Version, or ESV, for our readings. I have not taken any of these verses out of context to the best of my ability. And unless necessary, I do not plan on elaborating on any of the verses, as I hope they will speak for themselves. Let's begin in the Old Testament, starting with the book of Isaiah. An excellent example of how God's will is irresistible and will never fail is Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. So, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes from my mouth It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And now we shall turn to the Gospel of John. There we will find two places in Scripture where Christ tells of the irresistible grace of God that makes us have hearts drawn to Him and believe in Christ for our hope. First, let us read John chapter 5, verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead, and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. Next, let's turn to the next chapter. John chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him who He has sent. And now let us jump down just a few verses to John chapter 6, verse 37, which reads, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. These verses in John are ones that we will be returning to in the future when we begin to study our final part of TULIP in the next two weeks. For now, though, verse 37 highlights what we need to note for our study of irresistible grace. Now, let's move forward as we continue our study. We'll be looking at the book of Acts next. Now, Acts chapter 9 is probably one of the best examples of irresistible grace there is. Unfortunately, for the sake of time, we will not be reading the chapter. However, I encourage you to read it when you have the chance. 
As Duane Edward Spencer writes in Tulip, The Five Points of Calvinism in the Light of Scripture, quote, Paul, first known as Saul, is the perfect example of irresistible grace and the will of God being achieved for his salvation at the very moment when Saul was leading in the slaughter of the elect and in strong-willed rebellion against God and his Christ, end quote. But that is not the only example of irresistible grace in the book of Acts. Our next scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 11, verse 18. When they heard these things, they fell silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. From here, let's move to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Our next readings will be from the book of Ephesians. The verses that we will be reading are some of the most popular in Reformed circles, but sometimes popularity is there for a reason. There's so much truth embedded in all the scriptures that we read, and these are no different. So we'll be reading from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And you were dead in the trespasses and sin in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he had loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up, raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Lastly, we turn to the book of Titus. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. As we wrap up today, I hope you can understand irresistible grace and what it means for your life. I hope you can see that the reason that you are listening to this podcast and the desire to grow closer to God is because of God's irresistible grace. We, in our natural state, want nothing to do with God. We are drawn instead to sin and the things of this world, but God, in His mercy, has called us to and draws us closer to Him. So with this knowledge you have now, what should you do with it? Well, I'm telling you that what you need to do is heed his call. Run towards him. Read his word and listen to his word. Proclaim. Do whatever, but do not ignore his call. 
that voice that you've been hearing in the back of your head lately that has been telling you that you need to grow closer to God and be better about your walk with Him is something that you should not ignore. That is God pulling and tugging at your heart. Listen to it. He's telling you that for a reason, my dear friends. And if you don't know where to start, listen back to this episode and write down the verses that I mentioned. Note the books that I've mentioned. Read them on your own and pray about it. Work on memorizing the scripture. But whatever you do, I am urging you with every fiber of my being, do not ignore him anymore. Turn and away, turn away from this unrighteousness and seek God. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.